to do part two of uh, Unshakable and Unshakable part one. Uh, we covered a couple of things. Let's have a look at the next slide. We'll get straight into it. Unshakable means not possible to weaken or get rid of, not able to be shaken. Who likes the sound of that? I do. Let's have a look at the next slide. And we talked about two main things that as followers of Christ as Christians, we are called to. We are called to be planted in the house of God. Everyone say planted. We're not called just to attend. We're not called uh, just to, um, you know, come every once in a while. We're called to be planted in the house of God. Now, let's be honest, not everyone aligns to that calling. Uh, not everyone follows that because a lot of times people elevate lifestyle over commitment. Oh, I started with a challenging point right at the beginning. Is everyone okay with that? What did I just say? There's silence in the room. A lot of times people elevate lifestyle over commitment. Everyone say, ouch. Everyone say, ooh. Everyone say, Pastor Brad has started strong right at the beginning. Is that okay? Yeah, someone said no. <laughs> at least they're honest. Being planted in the house of God. Number two, we are all called to encourage and help others to be planted in the house of God. Um, usually when we're not planted in the house of God or we don't really understand why we're also called to encourage others to be planted in the house of God is usually because we either don't have, never have had, or have lost the revelation of why. Everyone say why. Why it's important to be planted in the house of God. Now this morning... I'm going to do something different to what I did last week. Last week, I'm going to review a couple of things, but last week I was talking more about us understanding as a church how we practically want to align to this. And I'm going to refresh on a couple of those points, but today I'm going to hone more specifically into the Scripture, all right, which I think is a good thing. And we're going to go right into the Word of God, and we're going to look at the differences of where people aren't planted and why, why that is and how that happens versus when they are planted, right? And when we say planted, we, we don't just mean planted in the house. When we talk about the house of God, we're not talking about just coming along on a Sunday. We're talking about being planted, meaning that you are, you are doing life with people and you're encouraging each other to be planted in the Word of God. You're encouraging each other to be planted in the Spirit of God. What do we mean by being planted? Being immersed, being engaged with actually being into, leaning into the Word of God, leaning into the presence of God, uh, leaning into fellowship, leaning into serving and helping out, leaning into your local church vision, leaning into praying for your church, leaning into actually uh, all the elements or ingredients that would help you to become stronger in Christ. And we know that the Bible is clear that isolation uh, or an independent spirit is actually an antidote to really growing in the things of God. And so God never designed us to be isolated, to have a little Jesus party by ourselves, but not really be into the church, because in fact, Jesus uh, said that he's come to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He loves his church. We joked about this a couple of months ago. He loves his church, but his church is not perfect, right? Uh, I'm definitely not perfect, so I'm not a, you know, perfect example of Jesus because he is perfect, right? But uh, my wife, bless her, she's almost perfect, but she's not. But even in her imperfections, if someone was to criticize my wife, guess what? I'm going to have a direct issue with that person. Everyone look at me. I'm smiling right now, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anyone wants to criticize my wife, I'm going to have a personal issue with you, <laughs> right? Because I absolutely adore her and love her. She is the love and light of my life. Obviously, God is the ultimate source of my life, but she's an amazing life partner, right? I was speaking at a, a conference yesterday, and they, uh, by introducing me, they had a photo of Sarah and Zara and Savannah, and all the jokes around, you know, what's that saying? Punching above my weight or whatever it is, and, you know, all that. And I'm just sitting there going, well, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, you know, there's good qualities to me, but man, I'm so blessed. But what I want to say is the heart that I just reflected there in my own imperfection, Jesus Christ is perfect and yet knows that his bride is imperfect, but takes it personally when people are stuck in a rut in being critical in how they view the bride of Christ. 
So you may have moments when you're frustrated or annoyed with the imperfection of the bride of Christ. I get that. We're all human. But your responsibility is not to be stuck there. You've got to have the maturity to process that. Take responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings, your unforgiveness, your offense, and move through it. Because if you don't, the word says it directly impacts on your relationship with God himself. The whole scripture of uh, forgive those as I've forgiven you. And then it goes on and says, because otherwise, if you don't, then I can't continue to forgive you. Ouch. It means that you're in, the relationship with the flow of your relationship with the heart of God gets impacted when you stay in offense, you stay in unforgiveness, you stay in that critical place of the condition of the body of Christ. And so it's important to God that we catch this. And therefore, a lot of times why we don't get planted in the things of God, I think is not necessarily because we're uh, offended, because there's a lot of people that go to church, they love church, but they don't get planted. And I think it's because they just do not get the revelation. They don't get the revelation that God wants you to be planted in the house of God, the things of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, He wants you to be planted. He wants you to be rooted in. He wants you to go deep. He's not into lukewarm, surface-level kind of let's just tick the box stuff. And so I think one of the signs of really being planted in all these things that we're talking about is that not only are you planted, but also you actually have a heart to want to see others be planted. Come on now. And so let's have a look at this next slide. We talked about this model just to give practical insight. I said one of the ingredients that covers this whole model of the theme around planting and making disciples is prayer. We need to cover everything with prayer, right? Prayer is important. So imagine a whole beautiful uh, blanket of honey covering this whole thing, and that honey represents prayer. Bob just loving what I'm saying right now. Prayer, right? But if we go beyond that, and then we look right in the middle, build his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One thing we didn't tap into last week is that what's the byproduct of this focus? It's salvations. Jesus wants to see the hurting and the lost come into the light. Who agrees with that? Right? But he doesn't want people just to stay there in what we call a place of salvation. That's the starting point. Everyone say the starting point. But beyond salvation... Because people can be saved, but still living in that place of brokenness and not actually coming to the place of victory. We did a whole teaching series about six months ago called Bridging the Gap, where we talked about that God has not designed you to be just a wanderer in, uh, you know, in the desert or a wanderer in uh, the place where a lot of the, the Israelites, when they came out of a place of bondage. So if you look at that whole analogy of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, that was a sign of God's deliverance or their salvation in terms of Old Testament examples, right? But then they actually were in the wilderness for like 40 years. They didn't come into the promises of God. They didn't come into the, that advanced territory. And so we don't want people just to be saved. That's the starting point. But then we want to see them being discipled, being made into strong disciples, men and women who are being raised in the things of God, the Word of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the principles of God, so they start entering and walking into the promises of God. And when disciples go beyond just themselves becoming disciples, but then actually turn into disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples, we call those people leaders. Because it's not all about their own personal discipleship, but they have a revelation of how important it is to see other people growing in the things of God. And it's a heart to see others being discipled and then being a part of that process. And so... We know that practically there are three things that we have to do as a family, as a church, as an army of the law here at Forever House. We are called to win souls, to win people. We talked last week about that's not just winning unsaved people. Obviously, it is winning unsaved people and helping them to say yes to Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel, bringing into the, them into the atmosphere of the house of God, hearing the word of God, experiencing worship, experiencing the love of fellowship, community, a sense of unity. This is evidence that Jesus Christ is alive and actually did rise from the dead. And he is the one true God. He is the way, the truth of life. You and I are, are, are the body of Christ. Even though we're imperfect, we are evidence to the world that Jesus Christ, in fact, is who he says he is. And so it's important that we get the revelation of who are you? 
Are you just a broken person who's given their heart to Jesus? No, beyond that initial step, God has so much more for you because He wants you to be a key catalyst to resemble Him in unity and in love with other believers so we shine the light and say to the world that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We are evidence that He is still alive. We are evidence that there is a solution to sin. We are evidence that there is a solution to the problems of the world, which I think is an exciting cause to be a part of, right? And one of the keys to actually breaking out of your own mess is not being consumed with focusing on it's all about you. You know, one of the keys to growing in God is actually getting a revelation that you're not just called to focus on you growing in God, but when you start focusing on helping other people grow in God, guess what? It actually accelerates your own spiritual growth. Something to think about, right? But also winning unchurched people, or not just winning unchurched people, winning people who are over church. So the Bible says it takes wisdom to win souls, not it takes wisdom to win unsaved people. There are a lot of Christians out there who are messed up. Let's face it. Hurt, burnt, scarred, shamed, whatever it is. And they have divorced themselves from the body of Christ. Ouch. A lot of Christians out there in every continent divorce themselves from the body of Christ. Oh, but I'm still married to Jesus. Yes, you are, which means you are still saved. But is that all that Jesus wants for you? No, he wants to build his church. He wants to make disciples. He wants you and I to make disciples. And we have to be not divorced to the body of Christ to be able to step into that place. We can't be isolated and being able to make disciples. We've got to do it together because you're an arm. This person sitting next to you is a leg. This person sitting next to you is maybe a foot. And this person sitting in front of you maybe is an eyelash. A very gorgeous long one. We all have our place. We all have our gift. We all have our anointing that in unity, man, commands a blessing. What does the word blessing mean? It means the manifestation of the glory of God. Blessing. Blessing also means the antidote to curse or cursing. And so when we're united together, when every single, when the foot, the arm, the ankle, the eyelash of the body of Christ has come together and is in unity working together, it commands a blessing, which means it commands the power to break curses. Where does a curse end? It starts to end when someone gives their heart to Jesus. They go from darkness from eternal death into light, into eternal life. But then there's a journey of them shifting from not just salvation, but into discipleship. And the things, the cycles, the habits, the, the wrong mindsets, the wrong thinking that may have come from their, their upbringing or the cycles and the habits, the choices start to break off and fall away if they're planted in the house of God and they're growing. So second one is plant. So when people are reaching them, inviting them, connecting them, then we've got to plant them. We've got pathways. Now our Connect Breakfast, we have our Belong class. I believe that's about connecting with them, starting to, I did a, um, uh, had a conversation with a beautiful couple here today who did our spiritual gifts profile. We went through it. We talked about their strengths and their giftings and what particular team or ministry here at Forever House may be more fruitful for them. And we had some good banter and conversation, a little bit of laughter about some funny things, right? Just great connecting. And now we've got some insight into maybe how we can best get them planted in, get them a part of the church, getting them serving so they feel like they're a, a mobilized arm or leg of the body of Christ. And then circles, which is our small groups and teams, getting people uh, serving, getting them involved, getting them fellowshipping in small groups is how we get people planted. And when, then we want to grow. We want to keep relating to people. Uh, we don't want to just teach them the Word of God. We want to teach them about how do you do life? How do you relate to each other? There's no better way of being taught how to relate is that you have to serve on a team with someone, right? And then you find out what's going on in each other's lives. You pray for each other and encouragement and keep encouraging people to see people go from level to level strength to strength. Next slide. Let's have a look at this. We're going to start here today in Luke. Luke. 
so funny. I got Father's Day socks. This is reminding me Father's Day a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've started working out. I know you can't quite see the evidence yet, but it's coming. Amen. Keep praying for me. Um, but I got given a uh, new workout shirt, which thank goodness wasn't too tight. <laughs> uh, new workout shorts, new workout shoes. Man, I was blessed. But I have to say, that was all cool, but my favorite was my socks. And the socks were Darth Vader socks. And on the bottom it said, I am your father. <laughs> I knew you'd like that, Jace. Stand up, Jace. He's wearing his Stormtrooper shirt, Star Wars themed shirt. We have this Star Wars thing going on that we love. Who loves Jace? Yeah. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, let's get back to spiritual things, shall we? Amen. <laughs> Unshakable part two. Now, I want to start here with this. Before we actually, can we go back a slide? Just so we're not distracted by that scripture yet, because I, I want to go there in a moment. But just, just listen in on this. Um, I don't usually or often quote motivational speakers when I preach, because to be honest with you, um, there's something about the stereotype of motivational speaker where, you know, there's a lot of fluff and no substance. You know, look in the mirror and tell yourself, you're going to be successful today. And if you just look in the mirror and believe, you will be successful today. It's like, man, is that all you got? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> right? God bless motivational speakers. We love you. But I am going to quote from a motivational writer today, all right? Because I thought it would be a great way to start this. Okay, so motivational writer Dennis Kimbrough says that some people are like wheels. They don't work unless they are pushed. Some people are like trailers. They have to be pulled. Some people are like kites, always up in the air, and if you don't keep a string on them, they'll fly away. Some people are like canoes. They have to be paddled. Some people are like blisters. They don't show up until the work is done. I think that's my favorite one. Some people are like balloons, always puffed up and so full of themselves, even though it's just hot air. Some people are like flat tires. They have to be jacked up and changed. Some people are like lights, always switching off and on. Talk about what Jesus says, though, about people. Is that cool? Jesus said that people are more like soil. Everyone say soil. And this parable of the sower that we're about to look in at Luke, um, and we can go in there now. Thank you, team. Someone suggested that the parable of the sower should probably be renamed the parable of the soil. Because the focus actually in this parable that Jesus is trying to get our attention on, the focus is actually on the soil or the hearer of the word, not the sower. So everyone say soil, which means the ability to hear, the ability to receive, the ability to cultivate, uh, rather than actually the sower who's sowing the seed. The two constant factors in this parable, the two constant factors, the two factors that don't change is the sower is always the same and the seed is always the same. But in this parable that we're going to study today, the variable, everyone say variable, the variable is the soil or practically what that represents is how we hear the word of God, how we receive the seed. The word of God. And I want to talk about this because this parable illustrates the principle of being planted. It, it, it talks about, you know, when you look at being planted, uh, it's about putting seed deep in so it roots take ground and then the plant grows strong with stability because it's got a good root system. It's got a good grasp on the depths of the soil where the nutrients are, where the water comes through via the channels, and then it has a good root base, and then it brings forth the plant and the vegetation that comes out of the soil, 
and because of its root system that you cannot see in the soil, as it starts to grow and branch out over the right time, it actually bears good, healthy, and also consistent fruit. Everyone say fruit. And so if we look at this uh, part of scripture here today. Who loves the word of God? So let's read through this. There's quite a few uh, verses. Um, and so we're just going to look just at this whole part of scripture in this one moment. And then the rest of the message, we're going to look at elements of it. So we're really not looking at any other scripture. We're really honing in and chewing on this part of scripture, this parable today. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm ready to learn. Turn to the other person next to you and say, I'm ready to grow. All right, cool. So in Luke 8, we're going to look at verses 4. On this slide is verses 4 to 10. Then the next slide afterwards, we're going to look at verses 11 to 15. Okay? So here we go. Luke 8, starting with chapter, sorry, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ur, ur, came and ate it, or ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more that was sown. So when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples, verse 9, asked him what this parable meant. Verse 10, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see. And though hearing, they may not understand. Everyone say hearing. Everyone say revelation. Everyone say hearing. Everyone say impartation impartation, revelation, actually really hearing what God's saying is far different to hearing and then nothing happens. Just tickles the ear. Well, that was nice. Now, let me watch some TV. Or now. Let me go and do whatever it is. I'm not going to appropriate. I'm not going to let it impact me. I'm not going to actually use what God's teaching me to really help me to grow and help me to change. Verse 11. Let's have a look at this next slide. This is the meaning of the parable. Everyone lean forward in your seat. Because Jesus is literally saying, if you didn't 100% catch it, I'm going to make it really, 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 really clear. Everyone lean in. Okay, here we go. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. Okay, so the first one was the path. Everyone say path. You can lean back in your seat. Relax now. <laughs> those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among, those th among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. Riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble... What does noble mean? What does nobility mean? 
Does anyone know what nobility means? If you're noble, you're of good character. Okay? Nobility, someone of good character. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. Everyone say retain it. Retain it. And by persevering, and how can you persevere? Because Jesus did not say if the storms come, but when the storms come. How can you persevere? How can you hold on? How can you retain? How can you hold on? How can you get a grasp and stay in position and persevere to produce a crop? You have to be rooted in. You have to be planted. You have to be in a particular position. And the key to that starts with the condition of the soil. And what does the condition of the soil again mean? Your ability, not God's ability. This is what's interesting. Sometimes we think it's just all about God. God will do everything. Absolutely everything. Of course he can do everything, but he loves you and therefore he cannot control you. He has to give you free will. And in that will, where we can choose ultimately to do whatever we want with our life, inside of that will is the really, really fun word, responsibility, which means the ability to respond. And the soil condition reflects the ability you have to respond to the seed, to the Word of God. And this is so critical because my challenge to you is your ability to respond, your responsibility to relate to the Word of God in a healthier way increases when you allow yourself and position yourself to really value retaining the Word of God, really getting a grasp of it, and getting yourself deep-rooted in the things of God so that you have enough elements and enough ingredients that will help you to persevere. I shared this last week, that I know that there's at least three families in Forever House who last year in 27 had one of the most challenging, difficult, personal seasons of their life. And yet they were all planted. And the storms came. And the winds blow. But on the rock of salvation, they still stand. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they were planted in the house of God. Because there were enough nutrients and ingredients that came around them. They were in fellowship. They did not hesitate to reach out and ask for prayer. They didn't hesitate to ask for help. They didn't hesitate to come over for dinner and have coffee and dessert and talk it through. They didn't hesitate to actually humble themselves and say, you know what, we really need some help here. They didn't hesitate to position themselves to be mentored and corrected. Not just encouraged, but corrected. Not just encouraged, but corrected. Or let me say it again, not just encouraged, but corrected. Come on, sometimes we don't get planted in the house to go, because we love to be encouraged. I want the prophetic word. Tell me my destiny. I'm going to prophesy and pray for the nations. Destiny. Give it to me, Julie. Give it to me, Greg. Prophesy. Prophesy. Prophesy to me. If you don't correct me, because you know how anointed I am. <laughs> Ew. Can't you just feel the anointing right now in my life? It's so hot right now. There's steam coming from me. So when we talk about nutrients that help you to weather the storm, of those three families, they all received correction because there were some things, some choices, maybe some habits that were causing them to, to kind of maybe get into those storms. And so when they received correction because they had a spirit of humility, it wasn't easy to eat and chew on because it was like spiritual Brussels sprouts, but they actually still chewed on the Brussels sprouts because they knew it was good for them. Come on now. And as this Brussels sprouts got into their spiritual system and they started to digest it and they made some changes because they were open to good, healthy, loving correction, not criticism, 
not condemnation, correction. We talked about how when, because God really loves you, He doesn't just want to encourage you. He doesn't just want to love you. He wants to discipline you because He wants to make sure that you stay within the right boundaries so that if you are slightly getting out of those boundaries, your ear is open through the Word of God to actually correct your direction so you don't get off track. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Produce a crop. Not just fruit. A crop. A crop. So what we're going to look at is this. There are four kinds of soil. So this analogy here talks about four types of soil. But of the four types of soil, it actually yields three types of results okay first result let's have a look at this well actually let me me just quickly talk about this then we're going to go to those three number one the first type of result this this is not a good result because it comes from the first type of soil okay we're going to look at that in a moment but the first result is people who are futile ground and they peddle they peddle empty promise I'm going to highlight what that means in a moment the second type of result is people who peddle false hope and have unfulfilled potential. That's not a good result either. We'll explain what that means. The third result, which is what you want, which comes from being planted, is people who are fruitful soil and are prime prospects for the promises of God. So let's have a look at this first type of result. People, let's go to the next slide. Result number one. Everyone say result one. People who are futile ground, which means, remember, the soil your heart, the condition of your heart to receive and retain the Word of God, people who are futile ground and peddle empty promises. What does that mean? Let's stay on this slide, but again, look at the scripture. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. And then Jesus said about that particular example where it was trampled on. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path, the first one, are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes, the trampling, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So this one's directly talking about the word of God that's come to actually help people to be saved. The gospel, actually the devil, immediately wants to try and grab a hold of that and steal that word away. And so that's why when we talk about, as a community, we want to help people to become saved, but we have to all be switched on that when we save people, when we help to bring the gospel to them, we have to get them around believers. We have to try to get them in and planted in the soil because if we don't get them planted, if we don't get them their their heart receptive to all these other ingredients and these things that the Bible talks about is the strategy of how God wants to build the church. Worship, the word, fellowship, in circles and teams, doing new Christians course, getting water baptized, all these different things. And they don't have to be in a particular order, but actually taking responsibility that's part of the house of God We've got to see someone who gets saved and we're going to do a work. We've got to actually get that person quickly as we can to protect the word of salvation that's in the heart because the devil is after them. I mean, who's passionate about this? Come on now, scream back at me. That's better. Football season, the finals are coming up. You're going to be more passionate screaming at the TV. Scream back at me. Who's passionate about saving the seed of salvation in someone's heart and not letting the enemy steal it from them? Good. Good. It's healthy to get a bit fired up. (laughs) Make your soul and spirit have a party. All right. And so the seed that fell on this path represents people who are, fu- who are what we call futile ground and peddle empty promises. What does that all mean? It's people who hear the word of God. They hear about Jesus Christ and they start to lean in. But they've got one foot in the world and one foot in the house of God. And there's a battle zone right from the beginning. A lot of people gather, gathered and crowded around Jesus. Jesus. 
they felt good about him and they felt good about themselves. And even they followed him from town to town. The crowd was impressed with Jesus, but he was not impressed by their attendance. He wasn't impressed by their uh, attention. He wasn't impressed by their adulation because they were coming for the wrong reasons. This parable is also recorded in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, but Luke's gospel uniquely emphasizes that they were trampled on, the seed was trampled on in their hearts before the birds fed on them. That means busy pedestrians, durable footwear, heavy traffic spell their doom. Their chance of survival is not minimal, but none. The seed is crushed in no time. Fertilizer, water, tender loving care won't help the seed that was ended on ground of pavement. They become food for the wild in no time. If birds do not swoop down and gobble them up, dear mice, dogs would compete for scraps and complete the job. What am I saying here? I'm saying here the condition of someone's heart and we have a responsibility to help them. Now, we won't be able to help every single person. There's going to be people who walk away. They first make a decision for Jesus or they're leaning into the gospel for a moment, but then they decide to go the worldly way again. That's going to happen in tongues, but we need to be awakened to this and know that what are we doing to maximize salvations? When people in your circle hear the word of God and you know that they're leaning into Jesus for the first time, hey, let's get around them. Let's pray for them. Let's get them to church. Let's get that word watered. Let's get them into an atmosphere that's conducive to stirring over the soil condition of the heart to make sure that we get the condition of their heart right so that seed can take root and can go down deep and they, they can strengthen their relationship with God. A lot of people come to church for information but not intake. They're in-house but not in fellowship. They're interested but not inspired. They do not comprehend the word of God, have no conviction in their heart, are not converted to their soul. Before they reach the point of belief, confessional salvation, the devil takes away the word from their heart. Do we know that? The devil does not tempt unbelievers more than believers, but the devil easily overpowers those with low aim, little interest, or lame excuses. This is what this particular part of the, the sermon is talking about in terms of so the, 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 the parable. The seeds on concrete floor have no sign of life or no chance to survive. And so we have to understand that we need to look out for uh, the condition of, of people's soil and encourage them to turn over their soil and to get their soil in a good spiritual condition. Who believes that? Let's have a look at this next slide. Result number two. People who trigger false hopes but have unfulfilled potential. Let's share this one. So some fell on rock. So this is the next one. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. The plants withered because they had no moisture, because the seed fell on rock. And this is what Jesus says the rock represents in this analogy. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seeds on rocky soil represent people who fall away in time of testing. Everyone say testing. They have inspiration, but they don't have internalization. They have emotional exuberance about Jesus. They have emotional exuberance about the church. They have emotional exuberance about worship. They have emotional exuberance about the anointing. They have emotional exuberance. Oh, it's fun. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, Jesus is alive. Oh, this is great. But you know what? In a time of testing, in a moment when their faith is tested, in a moment when their faith is challenged, there's not enough substance in the soil of the heart to have, for the word to have gotten deep enough yet that they start to give up. They start to walk away. Why am I so passionate about this? Because we all have to be passionate about having our eyes open, discerning the condition of people's soil. Now watch this. If you're sitting here right now going, well, this is all good, Pastor Brad, but what about my own soil? Doesn't it say on Virgin Aquinas, to fix the oxygen mask yourself before helping children? What if, Pastor Brad, I'm desperately trying to find the oxygen mask to fix my own soil? But I'm finding it difficult to slightly get more passionate about other people's soil. I get it. Right? If you feel like you're spiritually drowning, you don't feel like you have the energy or strength to stop someone else from spiritually drowning, right? 
usually drowning when you're isolated. I'll go back to the three families last year. They felt like they were in a storm. They felt like they were drowning. But they did things that they knew that they could do because they were pointed. They had relationships. They weren't isolated in the corner of their household, begging God to help them and thinking, what's going on here? They reached out. They got advice. They got wisdom. They got prayer. They surrounded themselves. They tapped into all the nutrients that their roots were positioned into. This is the problem. If spiritually we're trying so hard to make our plant and our fruit look really good, and then the storm comes, right? And we're like, we're feeling like we're being shaped here, right? The reality is, what's the condition of the root system? See, if it's real surface level and it's quite little, then we're not able to tap into all the nutrients that root system can provide. So today, if you're here going, Pastor Rudd, I want to be passionate more about the, the, the soul condition of others spiritually, but I'm really, really, really struggling myself. My encouragement to you is, well, then get planted. And you may think, well, I come every Sunday. I'm pressing into God. But are you planted? Are you planted in the things of God? What are your relationships like with other Christians? How do you sort out people who you know are further on in God with than you and then plan in the house of God? Are you building a relationship with them? Not that it has to be all about you, but are you connecting with them? Are you hanging around them? Are you doing life with them? Come on now. This is the challenge today. And so we'll stay on this slide. We're going to finish in a moment. But there is a, another example of not people just being tested, but the other example here is where people start to have worries. In this part of the parable, Jesus highlighted that people not only are being tested, but another part of the, the, the weeds. There was another part of the parable where he talked about the weeds choking people, the worries of the world. One thing I've noticed more and more as I walk out this thing called the Christian walk is that when you're not planted, you start to lose sight of what's really important and you're not around people who will challenge you on that. What I've noticed is when people aren't planted, there's a couple of things that happen. They start to worry about their life in terms of finances but it's unhealthy worry. I think at times we all kind of kind of thinking, you know, how are we going financially? I think that's wisdom. We're kind of keeping it set in check. But what I notice when people are planted, they start to they can get into a real worry zone about their finances. And I'm not talking about people who are lacking, just lacking finances. I'm talking about people who are even well off, but nothing is con- brings them content, and they're always after the next thing. What Sarah and I love about being planted in the house of God is it keeps us in check around where our priorities are. Because when we spend time with other believers and when we're in relationship and we're accountable to our leaders and our pastors, it's iron sharpens iron. There may be a week where I'm off keel. My pendulum's swinging too far. I'm too focused on how I'm going to pay a bill. Now, I want to manage my finances, right? But I'm worrying about all these things. Or it could be you're worrying about adulation. You're worrying about fame. You're worrying about success. You're worrying about your career. You're worrying about your Facebook status and how many people are liking you with whatever you've posted. And why didn't people post or like me like they did last week when I posted a similar thing two weeks ago? We're all human. We have all these moments when we get off the center, right? I even shared last week about... One thing I notice when people lose the revelation of being planted in the house of God is they still love Jesus, but they stop hanging around and fellowshipping specifically with believers is their revelation of Christ can start to get diluted. They start to get into 
I've seen so many people, they walk away from the, from the, the, the body of Christ, still confess their love for Jesus, and yet two years, three years, it just happens bit by bit. It doesn't have to show that. Four years, five years, you start to see posts on Facebook about the universal energy that they're into. About this psychic that they went to and how that was really interesting to them. Let's be clear. That stuff's off. <laughs> I'm not going to be polite about it. It is off. Right? It's deception. Right? And people can grow in deception when they're not planning in the house of God. Because there is a check here. There's a checks and balances thing. Right? That's why the Bible says wisdom is when you get a counsel of a few. Okay? As in you get advice. You bounce off your choices day to day, week to week, month to month. You, you bounce it off a couple of people who are planted, who are also accountable. What I love about Christian International is the head of CI Bishop, he's accountable. He's a, accountable to a whole board of different spiritual leaders across the world. There's no one in Christian International who's not accountable to someone. That's healthy. Who are you accountable to? I think sometimes we misunderstand accountability. Accountability is control is a different one. Accountability is, you know, this micromanagement. You see it in the workplace as well. People push back on accountability. Accountability is healthy. Right? Husbands should be held accountable by their wives. Come on, brothers. Shout amen. Right? We have blind spots. I'm telling you. God bless our wives. And wives, we have, you know, you have to be held accountable by your hubbies as well, but that's not as fun to amen about, right? <laughs> What's that? Because you do it, that's right. But the worries of the world, our money, our, you know, our fame, our accolations, the people who's adoring us, who doesn't like us, who, who likes us, where's my identity place, why, you know, why am I not further on than I am? All this stuff that if we swing the pendulum too far becomes unhealthy, controls our thought life, starts to take a sense of a piece of our focus away. Let's look at this last one as we finish. I'm going to ask the music team to come. Result three. People who are fruitful soil and prime prospects. What I love about this word is I'm actually not preaching it for a motivation because I want more numbers in our church. Let me be really sincerely direct here. I'm preaching this word because I know what it takes to be fruitful. And to be frank, one of the things that is really hard for me to see happen a lot is so many Christians who struggle to bear fruit. Struggle. God wants fruit. He wants your life to be fruitful. When we talk about that free will, we look at the word will. How willing are we to 
do what we need to do to be fruitful. And this is what I think it comes down to. The condition of your heart, the soil, you have to get a revelation of Jesus. And what I mean by revelation of Jesus is getting a revelation of who he is, but also getting a revelation of what he wants and getting a revelation of why he wants it. Just think about that for a moment. What level of understanding have you been able to get in your heart about who Jesus is and what he wants and why he wants it? Jesus is the author and finisher of your life. What does he want? He wants your heart. And why does he want it? Because he knows if he can win your heart, that you'll be fruitful. And what is the best way to defend against everything out there that will try to steal your heart away from Jesus? Being planted. If you think about every time we come here, every time we preach the word, every time we worship, every time we prophesy, every time we get together in a circle and we break bread and we open up the word, every time we do courses, every time we hang out in the cafe, every time we serve together on the service team, at the front door welcoming people, in the music team, in the AV team. Every time we do ministry and counseling for someone or believe for something to be delivered out of their life that's holding them back. Everything that we do is about encouraging your heart to be in love with Jesus, to keep focusing on Jesus, to keep believing in Jesus, to keep worshiping Jesus, to keep loving Jesus, to keep aligning to Jesus, to keep expressing praise for Jesus, to keep talking to people about Jesus, to keep focusing on Jesus, to keep reprioritizing so you can give your all to Jesus. It's an incubator. It's a place of constant nutrients and ingredients to help your heart stay on track for Jesus so that you'll be fruitful. Do you have that revelation? Do you have the revelation that Jesus wants people to chase after him and be excited about him and his word and to grow in their identity and not to think in a place where they're consumed with having to chase after these other things of status to feel built up and loved by the world. But he wants us to be in the world, but not of it. People who are fruitful soil and prime prospects, they're the people who are planted to finish off. It says still other seed fall on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. crop. The last type of soil is people who are fruitful soil and prime for growth. They are the wonder soil, the miracle growth, and a gardener's pride. There is a shortage of hearers, but not preachers of the word. It's been noted that every Sunday, 400,000 people are preaching the word of God. In a pulpit. The word here occurs nine times in this parable. Genuine hearing leads to retention. The word retain means keep or hold fast unservingly, to keep it, 
to hold on to it unservingly, the Word of God, the revelation of God, that it gets imparted into your life. It has nothing to do with how much a person knows, but how deep it grows. A growing Christian listens to the Word of God with a fitting attitude, a responsive mind, and a hearing ear. Fruit is hard to bear, but waiting is worthwhile. Trees take a few years to bear fruit, but its supply is for 20 to 50 good years. What's the conclusion here? The devil loves believers who are clueless, high maintenance, and on life support. People are always just on the edge of giving up. People are always too tired. I can't do this on anymore. Guess what? If you're there today, I've got a hope for you. The hope is that the persevering, death-defying Spirit of God wants to get inside of you and wants to give you life. But can I tell you, where are you positioning yourself? What soil are you cultivating in your heart? For the first seven to eight months of my Christian walk, I had to stop going to nightclubs. I had to say no to alcohol, had to say no to drugs. It was a battle. I was still smoking. I was still doing all types of things. But for the first seven to eight months, I had to cut myself off from all the things of the world that would try to pull me back. I had to say, no, I God, I cannot. I want to, but I just cannot keep this other foot in the world. I need to consecrate myself to the Lord. I need to plant myself in the house of God. Because if I do not, I will not be able to make it. If you keep hanging around your druggy friends, guess what? You're going to keep doing drugs. If you keep hanging around your alcoholic friends, guess what? You're going to keep drinking. If you don't separate yourself, consecrate yourself, at least for a season from the things of the world, you will not make it. And if you don't get that revelation, then God will continue to weep and cry because your potential will not come to its place of maximization. I'm saying this to you with a gut-wrenching feeling and sensing that God's saying, you need to make the decision to give your entire heart and your entire life to Jesus Christ. God says this is the moment to put a line in the sand and say, I'm no longer going to play this thing called Christianity. That if I can, even for a season, if I can move my heart into complete commitment, that God's word will not return void. have to step out of that place of darkness even if it's covering a whole leg God says move your whole heart into the kingdom of God and the number one catalyst for doing that is not what you do spiritually in isolation hear this now It's not what you do spiritually in isolation in the beginning. It's actually immersing yourself in the house of God. You've got to surround yourself with people who are supernaturally fitter than you. Right now, I'm surrounding myself with Brother Cody. I'm going to share this with you. I know if I don't get someone like Cody around me, I'm not going to do anything different. If I keep one foot in, I want to get fit. And the other foot is, privately, when I drive past McDonald's, I won't tell Sarah, but I'm going to go through drive through and order the Aussie burger with the fries. And I might even get chicken nuggets with the Big Mac sauce. And I might eat it in my car because then it's more private. As it's parked, I won't even go in. And then I eat it, and it feels good for a moment. But as I'm driving home and I walk in the house and Sarah says, how was your day? And I go, it's okay. (laughs) And then she says, I've got this dinner for you. And I go, (sighs) 
See, when I choose to work out and I get the right diet and I hang around people who are going to hold me accountable, and it's not easy. Man, when I get home with that healthy home-cooked dinner, I want to eat it because I'm hungry. Because I've been working out and I haven't been feeding off stuff that's junk. Come on now, God's sake. Spiritually, sons and daughters, get your foot out of that kind of thing of the world. Get it out of there. Get planted in the house of God. Don't think you and your little Jesus trip in the corner of your house having little prayer meetings by yourself. Come on now. God looks through that. You gotta, you gotta, I'm not saying that your own spiritual time isn't powerful, but I'm saying in the first initial two to three seasons, you gotta get around your spiritual personal trainers. Come on, you gotta get around mentors, fathers and mothers in the house who are two or three years are ahead of you. And it takes humility, church, but it takes a willingness. Now that was passionate. but I know that it takes way more than me just being passionate. Me getting fired up. You going, yes, go, go, that's right. Whoa. How much do you want, how much do you want your life to change? I wanted my life to drive to nightclubs with lines of speed on the dashboard getting my designated driver so I could do my lines on the dashboard and not crash the car snorting the speed in the first nostril snorting up in the second nostril going to the nightclub dancing do, do, do People coming up to me go, so are you like the professional dancer? Because you haven't moved. I'm like, no, I'm just dancing. Then they come up to you, sorry, mate, it's 5 a.m., the nightclub's closed. Oh, really? Oh, still high ass. Walk out, sunlight. Coming home, eventually going to sleep for maybe 12 hours later after I came down from speed. In the next four or five days, having to crawl through deep depression. And just think, how fucked I live? Where am I going? I think I'm just living for the, the moment on the weekend to escape. You're real. I need to know. Because God, I need, I need desperately something far bigger and more powerful than myself to get myself out of this. But church, that's not enough. God's salvation is enough. But your willingness to be saved, I want to tell you this. You have to be willing for your life to change. It's a whole nother level of desire. So when I gave my life to Jesus, there was a new sense of hope and I was set free. But there was still work to be done, particularly here. And the biggest key, and I know I'm repeating this, but I'm doing it for a reason because I can see a nail. That's why God just wants to hammer this in today. And people, your nail of revelation is just on the surface. It's just scratched the surface and it's just not penetrated your heart enough. And in hearing God say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He is just trying to hammer this revelation into some of your hearts. And God's saying that He's deliberately moving right now to bring the, the hardness of heart 
that's there because maybe you've been disappointed that when you gave your heart to Jesus, that maybe it hasn't worked out the way that you wanted to. Maybe it hasn't gone so smooth sailing. Maybe you've stepped back to the things of the world. But God's saying as he's hammering this revelation, he's saying that it needs to be you where you want to consecrate your life, where you need to step out of that part of the world and you need to plant yourself in the house of God because God says your life will change. And God says that this is who you will be. You will be people who are fruitful soil and prime prospects. Prospects. Prime prospects for what? You're a prospect that reflects the promises of God. You're looking at someone who all they were doing was snorting drugs and thinking, man, what am I going to do? I need to wait a couple of tables and actually serve at a couple of bars to make enough money so I can buy my drugs, to snort it into my nostrils so I can have a, a night and a day and then an extra half of a day to escape the fact that I feel like I'm going nowhere in life. Come on now. close our eyes. I thank you, God, that you've made this service in a way unconventional. That, God, you wanted to do something specific today. That you want to make us unshakable. This is what we're going to do. Just keep your eyes closed. Just for a moment. As we close today, there's going to be one thing that you're going to require if God wants you to respond to this word. The one thing you're going to require is wisdom. Wisdom. 